And now again, the bonus episode for this time chapters three and four together, because they were rather short, we thought we'd combine them. Yeah, I uh, I wrote both of these chapters. They were also pretty early on. The first few chapters of the book are mostly written chronologically by me, and this chapter four was obviously the first time that I had a good idea for actually parodying a part of the main book's plot. And I, I was particularly proud of the idea I had for chapter four in that the idea is that instead of Moody's spell working on the cup and his confundus charm fooling the cup into thinking that Harry was a seventh year and Harry was part of another school or whatever and and choosing him to be a champion it's instead the cup not being aware that Bork is a house and thinking Bork is a fourth school and so Jinji is the only qualified person from Bork to take place and so Harry wasn't supposed to be in it at all Moody's plan failed Voldemort's plan failed but through Dumbledore's Dumbledore's uh, embarrassment at <laughs> being fooled, uh, or, or sorry, his embarrassment at Bork existing, and people would find out about that because of Jinji, he sets in motion the plan that, that puts Harry's life in danger many, many, many times. I didn't realize that it was the, that was the cup's mistake. I thought it was just Jinji was qualified. I think what well, Harry was, but no, that makes more sense. In my <laughs> mind, it's beca- because the cup does choose Cedric Diggory slash Trickery, and so in my mind, it was that the cup just didn't know about Bork, and the cup's like, oh, this is a fourth school. Yeah, that makes much more logical sense. <laughs> also, I will say, and who knows whether we will, how much criticism, reaction, whatever we get for this representative ethnic character. Uh, there's no, there's no right way to do this. We don't obviously want to have racist stereotypes, um, but we just, we like the idea of, obviously, the original books do leave out a lot of ethnicities. They don't quite represent the, you know, uh, reality of Britain. I did live there for two years, you know, you see what kind of people live there. And, uh, but, yeah, that that's the whole part of Bork is, you know, the the foreign students who don't, speak English very well. They might be extremely talented like Jinji. Like, we're, we're also trying to base it on real people. So it's we aren't just coming up with this out of the top of our stereotype heads. And that's, a, yeah. Yeah. And that's the same with every accent. It's not just the, the white accents, the non-white accents. It's just, that's the same with every accent in the book as we're trying to do them well. And the lines are funny and the characters are funny, but we want their voices to sound real. McGonagall. We hope they're funny. Yeah. You know, that's our attempt. But the, the accents aren't meant, the, the part meant to poke fun. That's just a part of the character that, and the character itself is funny and so and Jinji I will say right now is my absolute favorite character grew to be she was like I loved her when I came up with her and she grew to be my absolute favorite character and the the journey that she will go on eventually um, in in the later books uh, is just such a favorite of mine and of course at the end of this book we see the end of her journey although I won't say anything about that now yeah we also we always thought that it's very anglo-centric and many people have noted this the first Harry Potter books act like the UK is the whole world and they don't really take in the fact that there is a wizard China, presumably wizard India, wizard, you know, all these other countries. Um, so we thought, well, yeah, so let's imagine a bit about wizard China and what, what goes <laughs> on there. And, and maybe there's some even more dangerous, crazy stuff happening there that the British wizards have no idea about. Oh, and we're going to get into that. Um, and there's so much Chinese magical folklore as well to draw from and that it, that, that doesn't need to be reliant on the very 
also very Anglo legends that she mostly drew from, as great as they are, it's it's a nice way to differentiate. It's mainly European, yeah. Yeah, she, exactly. She's got a lot of Greek and Roman stuff, but there's such a wealth of, of folklore and myths out there, and so part of our, you know, lovingly making fun of this, these works is just showing, you know, throwing in, well, here's what she could have included very easily. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see how successful we were with that. And yeah, and the backside of, and the limitation of the voices is just that it, it comes out of the fact that we wanted to include so many character, non-white characters in the first place because of the whiteness of Hogwarts in the books. We wanted to show all these cultures, and but, but then when it comes to recording these, it's mostly just the two of us, although as we go along we're going to get more guests. But it, the resources for reading are limited, and so we're just doing our best. Um, so there you go. So you can you cancel go. us if you want, but I think I think people are going to cancel for many many reasons. So this this might just be the first. The, and the you know and the intent is to represent and bring these characters and give them a voice, even if it's our voice. <laughs> but to, you know to give these guys the kids from Iran and kids from India and and the, these great Borker characters that we've written and they are fully developed and fleshed out just as much as the white kids. I think we gave care to every single one. I love Hideki. I love all of them. So. Exactly. Um, back to the back to the actual writing process uh, of the the plot. Yeah, I I I I was so happy and proud of myself for coming up with um, Dumbledore's bluff. Essentially, is what it is, um, and his embarrassment, and it shows the the, the fallibility of him, <laughs> and the, and how willing he is to just shove Harry into danger at the drop of a freaking hat. He's so gung ho about putting Harry in dangerous situations, and if which you, is pretty consistent with the actual books. Everyone kind of notes this. Well, if you think about the Triwizard Tournament, I was watching four the other day, and I was thinking, even if Harry has to compete due to some magical contract bullshit, he doesn't have to do the first two tasks. The only thing it loses him is time in the maze, and nobody but Voldemort cares about him winning. <laughs> so. Why does he compete against a dragon and in the lake? He could just say, oh, I hurt my foot. And all he would lose is points, and then he would have to enter the maze later and probably be safer. Yeah. <laughs> well, Harry's got probably too much of an ego to do that, I, though. I think that's what it is. I think also part of it is Dumbledore, throughout all of Harry's years is testing his metal and putting him through these, you know, because he knows he's going to have to eventually go up against Voldemort in some form, so he's testing him and testing him and testing him. It does make sense, but it's a little silly when you break down the mechanics of the tourney, of the tournament, and it's just another sign that, that Jake Rowling has no idea how sports work. Yes. Well, we'll end it on that then, and uh, see you next week. <laughs>